Sum up the charity in a nutshell, and when did it launch? So it started in 2008, and um, so it's about, as you said, how, how do we cut our personal carbon footprints? How do we move to a low-carbon life? And it might be in our food, our home energy, um, our travel, or, or our other consumption, all the stuff we buy. Those are the main areas. And lots of areas as well, as you say. Why is it important to have organisations like yourselves? Well, we hope that by giving people practical examples and ways you can do this and in engaging more people, then um, and we in, in doing reach thousands of people, and we by asking them, we know that they do make big changes to their carbon footprint, and so. We want to make that normal, that people will choose the sustainable way. And just how strongly do you feel about climate change and reducing your carbon footprint? Climate change is a really, really serious problem. And, and if we don't f tackle it, we are condemning future people to miserable lives. And we don't have to make that much change to our life now to make future people's lives so much better. And how long have you been involved in the charity for, and how many members do you have? So I've been... I started getting involved in about 2009, and I just really love working in a great team of other people with some kind of common goal. And, um, you know, we, we can all cut our footprint in different ways. It's not like there's a formula for this. It's um, something creative that, that each one of us can do. Um, oh, and we don't, but we don't really have members, but uh, we have many hundreds of people getting involved in our events every year. And like-minded people as well, you'd say? Well, well we're, uh, it's also really important to actually reach out to people who aren't your typical Greens. And so, for example, with Open Eco Homes, uh, an annual project, we find that uh, about 70% of the visitors each year have um, never been involved with us before. So we're reaching out to, to new people. And how do you communicate your message and what methods do you find the most effective for getting the, the word out there about what you do? Well, I think mostly it's about um, giving people a way to live better and, and to feel good about what they're doing. And so, uh, uh, but realising that there's, we're not calling for hair shirts here. People can choose to do exciting things so but for example you might find a really great way of having a holiday in britain instead of going some huge distance and, and, and that makes a big difference and i'm going to scotland later in june it's, there's just so many great things in britain how easy is it to reduce our emissions so to speak and change habits well so it's going to need big changes both in politics in technology and industry and in our own lives. So the changes that are needed are actually pretty massive and we just need to get going. But for each of us to make a change, it's not that hard to get started and, and start making significant change. Obviously, it's not that great if people do tiny differences, um, you know, maybe recycling properly, that's important. But, that, but I'm afraid it's not enough. We've got to make bigger changes. Yeah, what, I mean, what kind of things can people do, you know, even on a small scale, to, to make a difference? Well, let's think about food, for example. And so a thing to do which is much easier through the summer is to eat food that's locally grown. Uh, and so that, that 
reduces its footprint, it's not travelled thousands of miles to reach you. You don't need to eat fruit that's come from Peru now. There's loads of British fruit and vegetables that's just delicious. So can we eat those and can we eat less meat and dairy because they're the the biggest uh, contributor to our food footprints. Yeah, and what about in other ways away from food? Okay, so what about the other stuff that we buy? Or, or, or it's really about uh, looking after it better and making it last longer. Uh, we have a project called Circular Cambridge, which is about the circular economy and just this issue. How do we keep our stuff in use and keep it maybe reused and remanufactured? We run repair cafes in Cambridge and many villages around where people can bring in items for repair an experienced repairer will sit with you and together you'll, in most cases, succeed in repairing this item. About two-thirds get successfully repaired. And um, it's great because then people can... They've got something useful done, but they also then have a connection with that item that they've repaired and understand how to look after it better, how to maintain it. And um, hopefully in the end, maybe... If they find they don't need it anymore, they'll find somebody else who'll use it. There are two obvious ones as well that come into play, really, at this point. Electricity and the use of electricity and and things like that, and also the way we travel. Yes. What what tips would you give people this summer for getting around and also not using as much electricity in the house? Well, well, getting around, the lowest carbon ways of of travelling are uh, bus and train. But actually, how we use a car makes quite a difference. One person in a large and powerful car is pretty high footprint. But if you can fill up a uh, more economical, good MPG car, it's not that bad. But of course, it all depends. Are we driving tens or hundreds or thousands of miles? The distance is a, a big, big uh, or variation on that. And what were you asking? Uh, uh, electricity, things like that. Oh, electricity. Things, switches, things that we switch on that use, well, use power. Yes, well, switch them off when you're not using them. I'm sure I don't need to say that. And being more thoughtful about, you know, I'm sure you've heard it, thought about if you've got a washing machine, run it with a full load at a lower temperature. That, that's really useful. And so it's partly kind of planning ahead a bit. And we've made some, at home, made some good improvements. We've halved our electricity use by paying attention. And one way is to think about how we use our oven. So we'll try to use our oven in ways where we're cooking more than one thing in it at a time. It's so just planning ahead a little bit, and uh, that can really help. Yeah, now this summer, people are going to be having barbecues up and down the country as well. We're all going to get out in the open air, most of us will at least. So, And inevitably, I, I'm sure I can say this, it has, a, it has an effect on the environment, You know, the idea of, of actually cooking things, even though it's a nice social thing, and there's that as well. Are there ways to reduce our carbon footprint with barbecues? For example, are there uh, methods that don't use as much, you know, don't give as much emissions, or are there other ways you can do it? I haven't really thought about that. I mean, obviously, some barbecues get really smoky, and that and that's an air pollution problem, which uh, the city now has a, a clean air strategy under consultation. But actually, unless you're using tons of charcoal, you know, an enormous, unnecessarily huge barbecue, I don't think it's that high carbon a way of cooking. So I, I think just bit being careful in what you cook and not wasting the charcoal or gas if it's a gas barbecue 
I mean, you know, it's a nice social thing to do. And I think our low-carbon lives need to be social so that we enjoy hanging out near near where we live and we don't feel compelled to um, go to very distant places. And what other top tips would you give this summer, if any? Well, we're probably going to have some heat waves, aren't we? And so staying cool in a heat wave, I think, is important. With with climate change, we we expect that there will be more frequent and more severe heat waves. And so um, keeping yourself cool, you know, you you might be spraying yourself or sponging yourself with water, maybe using a fan, which is uh, not very um, energy intensive. I'm afraid air conditioning uses quite a lot of electricity, so... I'd like to have that as a last resort. Um, And then maybe you can plan how your building can be better shaded. Can you draw the curtains on the sunny side of the house? And can you cool it down, cool down your home at night time? Is there a way of flushing cool air through the house at night, maybe by opening a couple of windows. If you have a tall house, open something right at the top and something right at the bottom, and then the house will cool down overnight. Good advice. And the final thing I want to talk to you about was Eco Homes 2018. That's an event you've got coming up later this year. Do tell us a bit more about that and what we can expect. So, yes, at the end of September, early October, there will be a dozen Cambridge area homes where uh, open to the public for free and the homeowners will show the visitors how they save energy and and discuss it all you know there's all kinds of ways that both sort of um you know techn- technological methods for saving energy or simple things like insulation or draft proofing but also taking control and and the way that we live can make a big difference and people visitors really like it because they get to see in a home that is maybe like theirs or one they would like to have just practical examples of how you can save energy cut your bills and be kinder to the planet and we find that uh, you know you may see energy saving measures that are all very well you can see the technology works but you might think oh that wouldn't suit me that's okay, you know, it's quite personal what we each want for our home. But actually, I, I, I think that's good if people realise what doesn't suit them, what does suit them, and plan ahead, and hopefully you can make some really good choices, which we find people do. 444 visits, one-hour visits, were made last year, and by surveying the visitors, we think they are saving 750 tonnes of carbon dioxide, which is a big saving.